It is a time of peace. The Galactic Republic, which has governed for thousands of years, has provided prosperity to many worlds and opportunity to most. Only a few shadows of conflict darken the galaxy, and these are handled by the Jedi Knights, the guardians of peace and justice throughout the Republic. One of those conflicts arises on the planet Teth, a source of corruption that threatens many nearby systems. The Jedi Council sends Qui-Gon Jinn and his young Padawan to investigate, but the criminal element on Teth has chosen not to cooperate. Hello there. General Kenobi! <laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Book Blurbs. I hope all of you hardcore Star Wars fans appreciated that little General Grievous Revenge of the Sith joke at the beginning in the intro there. Uh, I know after seeing that movie and all the memes that it produced, I cannot uh, not respond to hello there without saying General Kenobi. So, uh... Yeah, all you Insider Star Wars fans, I'm sure, enjoyed that. Um, this episode, we are looking into the fourth Star Wars novel by Claudia Gray, titled Star Wars Master and Apprentice. Now, if you ask me, Claudia Gray is hands down the best author that Disney Lucasfilm has writing for them right now. She has not struck out on any of her Star Wars books yet. They're all winners in my opinion. Um, but just for the sake of it, here are my rankings of her four books so far. At the very top, Lost Stars. Hands down, absolutely my favorite Star Wars book of all time, no question about it. Just the way Claudia weaves her story into what's already been established by the movies just so seamlessly and the new characters that she brings into the universe that are so gripping so real I couldn't put the book down it's still my favorite book in the new canon and really my favorite Star Wars book ever definitely definitely recommend that you check that out if you ever see it or have a chance to buy it uh Next on my list, number two of Claudia Gray's Star Wars books is Master and Apprentice, this book that we're reviewing in this episode. Uh, of course, I'll talk about that more uh, in a few minutes here. Um, but following Master and Apprentice, I have Leia, Princess of Alderaan. Uh, the way that Claudia Gray writes Princess Leia, it's almost as if she knew her in real life. Um, like she hung out with this fict fictional character and just really knew every aspect of her personality. She writes Leia so well. And despite me knowing what happens to Alderaan, her writing sti still evoked in me a, a tremendous emotional response. So by the end of that novel, I was kind of tearing up uh, just by how well she had built everything up in that book. And at the bottom of the list, but by no means a bad book, is Bloodline. Uh, Bloodline takes place after the original trilogy, but before The Force Awakens. And uh, it's an amazing book because we see 
little tidbits and hints and clues about how the First Order came to be and how um, politics kind of fueled uh, how it was formed. And if you're really into Star Wars politics, uh, it's definitely worth checking out. Uh, and if you've been kind of uh, craving more information about the formation of the First Order and uh, wondering where it came from and how it came to be what it is and how we see it in the Force Awakens movie, uh, you can't pass up Bloodline. Uh, so those are my four uh, Claudia Gray uh, rankings for her Star Wars book. Lost Stars, Master and Apprentice, Leia, Princess of Alderaan, and Bloodline. So a little bit about Claudia Gray. Uh, I'm getting this from the back page, the author bio of uh, Master and Apprentice. Um, her other books include Defy the Stars and the Evernight Spellcaster and Firebrand series. She has worked as a lawyer, a journalist, a disc jockey, and I love this a little bit, and a particularly ineffective waitress. <laughs> her lifelong interests include old houses, classic movies, vintage style, and history. She lives in New Orleans. Shout out, Louisiana. So, what is Claudia Gray's new book, Master and Apprentice, all about? Well, the story of Master and Apprentice takes place almost eight years about before Episode One, the Phantom Menace movie. Uh, Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan Kenobi have been Master and Apprentice, I'd say, for about four years, if I'm re remembering correctly. And... Qui-Gon Jinn has just been offered a seat on the Jedi Council. Um, what's important about that is if he accepts, uh, he can no longer have Obi-Wan Kenobi as his Padawan because uh, most of the time the Masters on the Jedi Council don't have Padawans underneath them so that they can fo focus on Council matters. Uh, while he's debate debating whether or not to join the Council, uh, the Council sends Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan on a mission to the planet of Pajal to help negotiate a treaty between the young monarch there, Princess Fanry, and the powerful, influential mining company called Circa uh, to open a hyperspace lane and dramatically change the makeup of the Pajali government. And... Along the way, uh, as they're uh, trying to figure all of this out on Pajal, um, Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan meet Pax and Rahara, two new characters introduced by Claudia Gray. And they're great. Uh, absolutely love the dynamic between them. They're a couple of jewel thieves, and they both have tragic pasts. And it's the emotions between them, uh, how they play a part in the story. I just really enjoyed it. Uh, sometimes they're working together with the Jedi. Other times they're kind of off doing their own thing. Um, so it provides some nice levity in the more serious parts. Uh, and then they themselves provide some kind of serious content uh, where their backstories kind of influence uh, how they're approaching uh, challenges they're facing in their current day. Um, so that's Pax and Rahara. And also on the planet of Pajal, 
uh, is Rail Avaros. Uh, this is an old friend of Qui-Gon, uh, whom the Council, the Jedi Council, has appointed Lord Regent of Pajal until Princess Fanry becomes Queen. And all while this is happening on Pajal, a shady terrorist opposition party is threatening the future of the planet, its citizens, and maybe even what they're plotting could be a threat to the galaxy at large. Now, there's always an inherent challenge in writing a prequel story, uh, whether it be a movie or a book, any kind of media. Uh, In this case, Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan's relationship is presented to the reader as being on rocky grounds, kind of unstable. Uh, But if you've seen the movie The Phantom Menace, you know that Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan stick together through it, meaning, of course, that Qui-Gon didn't end up becoming a member of the Jedi Council. Um, So there's that challenge to overcome, uh, but Claudia Gray is more than up for it and uh, makes up for this by giving Qui-Gon an actual character uh, with actual character traits. Uh, I'd say, and I'd argue, you'd be hard-pressed to describe Qui-Gon Jinn as more than just stoic or something along those lines, strictly based off the movie The Phantom Menace. So what Claudia Gray does here is she takes that one-dimensional character of Qui-Gon and transforms him into a fully realized three-dimensional character in her book. Uh, Here he's fascinated by ancient prophecies, and he often finds himself at odds with the rigid Jedi Council. Uh, For example, the Jedi Council uh, has taken an almost, I would say, lackadaisical approach to slavery in the galaxy. Although the Republic has banned it within its own boundaries, uh, the Council hasn't really done anything to halt slavery outside Uh, the major spheres and confines of Republic influence. Uh, Qui-Gon also doubts his own abilities as a teacher, and in this book he often wonders if he's the right person to guide Obi-Wan on his path to becoming a full-fledged Jedi Knight. Um, So it's just so refreshing uh, to see Qui-Gon become fully realized in this book, uh, and we really have to thank Claudia Gray for that. True to the title of the book, Claudia Gray really dives into several master and apprentice relationships uh, in this book, in addition to Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan. We get glimpses of Count Dooku's descent to the dark side as we read about him uh, mentoring his Padawans, uh, Qui-Gon and Rail Averos. Uh, I really enjoyed those little interludes throughout the book. Um, Dooku can really be a fascinating character, and there's actually a new audiobook out called Dooku Jedi Lost um, that I'm looking forward to uh, getting my hands on in the coming days. Um, that'll, I think, be my next Star Wars read here. Um, so yeah, we've got those Dooku interludes uh, we also learn about uh, Rail Averos and his Padawan, Nim, and how that relationship has a tremendously deep effect on Rail and influences how he works uh, 
now how he interacts with Princess Fanry on uh, Pajal. And Rail, for his character, has he's kind of taken a less strict approach to the ways of the Jedi Order. Um, he's really kind of got a reckless attitude, and he even indulges in vices like uh, death sticks. So if you remember in Episode 2, uh, Attack of the Clones, uh, the guy trying to sell Obi-Wan the death sticks in the bar on Coruscant, uh, Rail would have happily taken those death sticks if he had the chance. Um, and this may all be due to the fact that uh, Rail began, began his Jedi training at an older age than most Padawans. Um, he was old enough to remember that when he came to the Jedi Temple, uh, he still recalls his homeworld and his bonds with his family. Um, so this kind of affects what Jedi, what type of Jedi he turns out to be and how he kind of carries himself now. Um, so if you thought that Qui-Gon was a little bit of a radical Jedi and uh, his views were extreme in the context of the wider Jedi Order and how they present their beliefs, uh, Rail really tests those rules and pushes them uh, to the limits, if not beyond. So I could go on and on and on and on talking about this book. Uh, if you don't know this already, or if you can't tell from this episode, I am a massive Star Wars fan. Um, even when I'm disappointed with some of what they put out, uh, I'll still never lose that sense of wonder and awe at this franchise, and I'll always come back to it. Uh, there's just so much that I love about it. Um, and within this book, uh, Master and Apprentice, you've got ancient prophecies. You've got um, a deeper dive into the ways of the Force. Um, you've got such great characters. We've got the already established ones like uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Qui-Gon, uh, Mace Windu, and Yoda pop up. Um, of course, the interludes with Count Dooku. Um, but we've also got these brilliant uh, new side characters that Claudia Gray has written, like Rax and, uh, or Pax and Rahara, and uh, Rail Averos, and even the, the uh, dignitaries and uh, kind of royalty on Pajal are kind of fascinating in their own way. And, um, I don't want to spoil anything, uh, through this episode, but, uh, some big stuff goes on, on Pajal, um, in this novel. And, uh, yeah, the stuff with the opposition party, uh, is really interesting. And, um, so it's got that kind of political thriller element to it. Uh, it's got like an adventure vibe and everything just ties so well together, uh, in this book. And I get the feeling that little bits and pieces, maybe some of the ancient prophecies that, uh, Claudia Gray writes out for us in this book might play a little bit of a part in the new, um, Rise of Skywalker movie that's coming out in December, 2019, uh, that's going to wrap up 
the big main Skywalker uh, saga. Um, so yeah, after the break, we will come back and I'll take a longer look at uh, a specific passage from the book uh, concerning Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon's relationship. So stick around for that and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Book Blurbs. This episode, we're talking about Claudia Gray's Star Wars, Master and Apprentice. And now we're going to take a closer look at a passage from the book. This comes from page 285. Serious readers might consider this a very minor spoiler, um, but I don't think it really spoils too much. Uh, So just... Be cautioned and advised. Uh, But here we go. Obi-Wan said, You know, I never had problems with that as a youngling. Being independent, I mean. I broke rules right and left. They even called me rebellious. Probably the masters were surprised anyone was willing to take me on as an apprentice. In fact, Qui-Gon had been warned about this very thing. He'd long since assumed that the crush master's concern was overcautious, but now, finally, he saw what had happened. He began to laugh. Obi-Wan stared at him. Master? Don't you see, Obi-Wan? They knew you'd rebel against any master you worked with, so they made sure you wound up with a Jedi who almost never followed the rules. The only way for you to rebel was to become the perfect Jedi. Hardly perfect, Obi-Wan said, but by now he was laughing too. They really did that, didn't they? Qui-Gon shook his head. Never underestimate Yoda. If you've seen any of the movies, uh, particularly the prequels, um, like episodes 2 and 3, and even the Clone Wars animated series, you know that Obi-Wan is pretty much uh, the ideal Jedi Knight. Um, He's always seeking the advice of the Jedi Council. Um, He's always obedient to what they tell him to do. Um, So it was really interesting to learn through this passage that as a youngling, he was kind of a rebellious little kid. And the way that the Jedi Council kind of uh, steered him away from that rebelliousness was to attach him to Qui-Gon Jinn uh, and make Qui-Gon his master because Qui-Gon himself is a pretty rebellious dude uh, as a Jedi. And he's kind of off, uh, kind of away from some of the teachings that the Jedi Order um instills in its younglings um so in a kind of roundabout way um the council was betting on uh Qui-Gon's kind of uh radicalness to kind of shape Obi-Wan and form him into uh this perfect Jedi knight and um 
the only way for Obi-Wan to continue his rebellious behavior as a kid, uh, once he became a Padawan to Qui-Gon, the only way for him to rebel against Qui-Gon was to just be completely obedient and follow the ways of the Jedi Order and not kind of do it his own way like Qui-Gon sometimes does. Um, now, you can kind of look at this and read into it as this being yet again uh, the Jedi Council setting themselves up for failure. Uh, because if you look farther down the road, the big consequence is... Uh, as we know, Obi-Wan pairs up with Anakin Skywalker and becomes his master. And maybe because Obi-Wan became less rebellious and uh, became such a like perfect Jedi, the studious, uh, picture-perfect uh, Jedi that they like model off as um, what they want all younglings to become... In the Jedi Order. Um, that doesn't really gel with who Anakin is. And Anakin's personality. Um, so maybe this was just a tragic mistake. In putting Obi-Wan with Qui-Gon in the long run. Um, because while it did really benefit Obi-Wan. And make him into a great Jedi it almost set Obi-Wan up for failure once he took on Anakin uh, as his Padawan because Anakin needs that flexibility that Qui-Gon brings and Jedi like Qui-Gon um, allow themselves to dabble in. Um, Anakin doesn't do well, as we know, from strict mentors and teachers like Obi-Wan who really adhere to the structure uh, of the Jedi Order. So we see in this passage, if you want to really read into it and think about it, uh, maybe the strategy in the end doesn't pay off for the Jedi Council and leads in a way to its undoing and contributes to their failure. Granted, there's a lot of things wrong with the Jedi Order um, and how the Council uh, handled a lot of matters, but uh, this is really interesting kind of to see that Obi-Wan started off really rebellious, uh, then became under Qui-Gon almost the perfect Jedi that the council wanted. Um, but then it doesn't really suit him well as Anakin's master. I think we'll wrap the analysis of the passage up there. Um, so we have arrived at the rating segment of the episode again my ratings from best to worst are bookshelf worthy by library spark notes and pass um based on the way i've been gushing about this book throughout the whole episode i don't think it'll be hard for you to guess what rating i'll award it um i'll give it a little caveat um my rating for Star Wars Master and Apprentice by Claudia Gray is bookshelf worthy. Uh, I think it's in my top five of uh, Star Wars books in this new canon uh, from Disney. Um, and Claudia Gray, like I said, 
is such an amazing Star Wars writer. I haven't read any of her other fictional works, um, but if it's anything like this, then it's got to be amazing. Um, now, if you're not a hardcore Star Wars fan, or maybe even if you are, but you don't really care about the prequel era, prequel era, um, this book might be for you a rating of, uh, I was about to say buy, but maybe a library is what I would recommend to you. And, uh, after reading it through the library, if you really like it, maybe you can elevate it up to that buy level. Um, so my rating, uh, for me and for other Star Wars fans, uh, that want to know more about Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan, uh, and just really enjoy the prequel era and want to get a taste of uh, kind of our first story before The Phantom Menace. Uh, definitely this book, Master and Apprentice, I'd say is bookshelf worthy. And uh, for more casual fans, uh, maybe go the library route. That'll do it for this episode of Book Blurbs. I thoroughly enjoyed reading Star Wars Master and Apprentice by Claudia Gray. Um, if you're looking to jump into this new canon of Star Wars novels, uh, this book might be a really good place to start, actually. Um, I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode. I'm such a passionate fan of this franchise. Uh, one of my fondest memories growing up was going to see Star Wars A New Hope in theaters with my dad when I was a little boy. And when I get to read uh, Star Wars books like this or see the new Disney films that are coming out, it kind of just takes me back to my childhood, um, to those memories, and it's just such a happy place to be. Um, and anytime you can embrace that feeling, you should definitely take advantage of it. Uh, follow us on social media and email us. Uh, for any questions, feedback, suggestions, recommendations you have, I'd love for you to interact with me and uh, kind of become a part of the show. You can email me at bookblurbs19 at gmail.com or you can follow me on social media at book, bookblurbs19 on Facebook and Twitter. And uh, yeah, I'll post uh, what I'm working on on social media. Uh, tease upcoming episodes kind of ask for reading recommendations from you guys and uh, maybe something in fun I could do on there in honor of Force Friday coming up in I believe it's October so pretty soon here uh, I might decide to post a ranking of all of the canon Star Wars books I've read uh, that have come out from uh, Disney Lucasfilm in this current era uh, since their big purchase from George Lucas. So that might f be a fun thing to do, and we can uh, interact and debate that ranking. And uh, I'd love to see your ranking of any Star Wars books you've read. Uh, or just tell me about your favorite Star Wars book, favorite Star Wars memories or characters. Uh, I want to hear all of it. Uh, so follow me on social media, at bookblurbs19, or send me an email on uh, gmail at bookblurbs19 at gmail.com uh, 
I invite you to join me next episode as I find myself trapped in one of the most famous haunted houses in all of literature. Thanks for listening to Book Blurbs. I'm your host, Kenneth. And remember, the Force will be with you.